and just training right up into the race day and <laughs> and ending up leading this race and then going on this journey in the final uh, the final mile really of the marathon where i was stripped so raw and what i discovered was this wealth of newness new new feelings of being good at something i'd always taken the kind of the slacker uh cruisy way out, you know, you know, the safe way safe. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. You know, it was safe to do just enough to get by because if you really put yourself out there and you fail, then that's scary. Right. So I always did just enough to, like you said, safe. Why, why work so hard for an A when you can get a C. I mean, I've just, I, I coasted. And at the end of that race, I was not coasting. I was so deep inside myself trying to figure out a way to hold on to this new feeling of self-worth and value. And, um, and it was not just about the ego of winning the race. I mean, sure, that was part of it. When you've got a camera truck on you and you've watched ABC Wide World of Sports your whole life, you know that that's a pretty cool thing. But pretty soon the camera truck went away. And that's how, that's how, the, that's how you just keep getting stripped more and more down to this core level of this feels really good to be good at something and I'm not giving up on myself. And that's, that's what people saw, I think, in the final, um, you know, half mile of the race when I'm falling and getting up. I'm not giving up on myself. And I think it translated to someone sitting at home, what would I be willing to do where I wouldn't give up on myself? That was Ironman triathlon legend Julie Moss, and this is episode 130 of the Yogi Triathlete podcast. How excited are we to be sharing this fabulous conversation with the vibrant Julie Moss? I mean, you guys, this podcast is blowing up right now, and it's all because of your support. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Jess, your host, and let's keep it coming. Let's keep showing up every week from either end of the earbuds and microphone because it's the collective that is creating this currency of connection that we all share. Welcome Lupe to Team Yogi Triathlete. She is the amazing being who brought Jenny into the world. Jenny is our 11-year-old triathlete team member and podcast guest of episode 127. Coach Beach will be working with Lupe to crush Ironman 70.3 Greece in April. She is such a perfect fit for Team YT. This lady is doing the work, mind, body, and spirit. A massive congrats to Team YT athlete Christian, who finished his first Ironman yesterday in Florida. As you may know, Hurricane Michael came through and deemed Panama City unsuitable for the annual Ironman event. And because of this, the location was changed. And because of this, oh man, the untrained mind unleashed itself all over social media. But Christian remained untouched. He stayed in flow and put together a great race. I'm totally so psyched for this guy. Really nice work, dude. And this truly is the difference between a yogi triathlete and an athlete that is not training their mind. The ability to, as our guest today would say, not get rattled no matter what is so incredibly key to the success of an athlete. For BJ and I, it all started with the physical practice of yoga. That was our access point. And from there, well, we've taken it super deep and super deep has translated to super uncomfortable so many times, but it's the only way that we are now able to serve the Yogi Triathlete community in the manner in which we do. 
Julie Moss is no stranger to the mat. She is well aware of not only the physical benefits of yoga, but also the mental skills that flow from this practice. She knows that she has deepened her ability to connect with her breath and train her mind to stay steady during her racing and her life. Julie discovered yoga during an intense period of her life, and she learned about the power of words and how to go easier on herself without losing discipline. In fact, if anything, yoga enhances our drive to be disciplined. So yes, we talk about yoga in this episode, but we would be remiss if we didn't talk about what Julie is so famous for her 1982 crawl to the finish line of the Hawaii Ironman, an experience that changed her life and put the sport of Ironman triathlon into the awareness of the mainstream. As a 23-year-old graduate student, Julie went to the fifth Ironman in Kona with the goal of finishing the race so that she could complete her thesis and graduate from school. Unbeknownst to her and everyone else in the world, there was a bigger plan in the works, a plan that unveiled itself throughout the day, putting Julie in the lead of the race and one that came to a very dramatic climax just yards from the finish. As Julie lied on the pavement surrounded by supporters, Second place competitor Kathleen McCartney ran past her to the finish, claiming the win that day. But as she lay on the pavement, in a moment of complete surrender, Julie felt a fire from something beyond her physical self. She got herself up to her hands and knees, and she crawled herself to the finish line, taking second place on the day. Yeah, she lost the title. But what transpired in those final yards of the race changed the trajectory of her life. Julie went on to race professionally for a number of years. She married six-time Ironman world champion Mark Allen. She had a child. She made her post-baby comeback and eventually hung up her bike shoes in 2003. It was after this that yoga found her, and she found her way back to multi-sport, and she found her way back to her home of San Diego. We essentially pick up our conversation just right about here. So what do you say? Let's get on with it. I am quite honored to send you along to our conversation with a true yogi triathlete, USAT Hall of Famer, and someone I feel is the ultimate representative of Ironman triathlon, a sport we love so very much, Ms. Julie Moss. So welcome to the show, Julie Moss. Well, thank you so much, Jess and BJ. It's really a pleasure to be here in your your energy. I'm already feeling it. The good smells, the, the tea, you know, your kind of your lotions. It permeates, um, and it's nice. I'm like, I'm digging it. We're, we're trying to raise that vibe every day. Like, yes. That's just, yes. that's the goal, and I, that's really our mission is to just... Spread the awareness that, you know, you can live a more vibrant life. And um, I think a big piece of living in that vibrant life is creating a relationship with the ego where it's not your enemy, but it's like it's your teammate, you know? It's, it's you, you can love it. And as athletes, we need it because it, it, you needed it in 1982. Sure. Yeah. You needed it to get back up and get over the finish line. But let's, um, before we go way back there, let's go to 2017. So you had... You had a big break, right? Had you been racing? I started in 2012, uh, coming back after coming nine back. years of not doing any triathlons. Uh, and literally, when I don't do triathlons, I don't touch a bicycle. It just hangs in the garage. I'm not a recreational cyclist. I, I ride to get you know, through a triathlon. Um, and, but I'd been doing yoga, and I'd been sort of trying to come off of a, 
of a, of a low point in my life, definitely low vibration point in my life. And as I was coming out of that, I used yoga to do it. And I used Bikram yoga, um, out of Santa Cruz, California, where I was living at the time. And of course, you know, as, as endurance athletes, what, there's a 60 day challenge. I'll take it. You know, I can go two times a day. I can, I can walk to yoga and then I'll do weight training by carrying all my wet stuff back from yoga. And then I'll go back again. And I mean, it was just, I was really looking to climb out of a, this low place in my life. And I was trying to do as kind of as fast as I could through yoga, which is an oxymoron, right? You know, fast yoga, except there is fast yoga, I guess. But the idea of wanting to rush to get to some place is not the yogic way. The yogic way is to stay in the moment and kind of let it come to you. But isn't that, isn't that the path of yoga though, to, to find the ability to just be in whatever muck or density or darkness or low vibration that you're in, right? And, and we, I think we're hard, we're, we're definitely hardwired as humans to want to get out of that discomfort. Sure. And yeah, but I also learned through yoga to forgive myself for being there, you know, not to like, to, I, as much as I wanted to pull myself out for all the, the right reasons, I also learned to be where I am right here yes. today and not beat myself up, which is a really great lesson for an athlete to kind it's of carry huge. through. It's huge. And I think that some athletes, um, they might get down from a performance or a training session or and and they maybe they feel like oh i got to switch out of this oh and i and then it gets i can't switch out of it i can't lift this i you know and then it's they it's like they're punishing themselves right it they yeah. can't switch out of you know moving into a positive thought and you know i'm i'm not so sure just switching into a positive thought is the best thing to do number 1 i think it's extremely difficult and sometimes you got to like fake it until you make it and i don't even know if that's a great path to take but to just sit in it and be in it and be in, and I think the the real yoga yogic way is like like you were saying is just being in it and being okay with that and knowing that it's you're going to get to the other side you always do yeah I do think my background in endurance sports I understood that when I chose to start taking steps forward that I would climb out the problem was I was getting a little too comfortable in the muck and I was sort of masking um, what I needed to do with with the, the things that go along with the muck. Um, and I'll let you, you know, everyone has their version of masking, a numbing out, and just sort of not embracing their life in a full way. And so through yoga, you can't help but start to get a good vibration going. I mean, that's what, that's the classic, um, it's just, it's just classic. You're sitting in a room and people might be complaining or, or in their minds criticizing, um, about, I can't quite do this pose or I don't have flexibility. In the meantime, then they're hearing something else that has nothing to do with the yoga. Just focus on yourself. No one else in the room. Just be where you are today. This isn't the, today Today's body isn't the day body you had yesterday or the body you'll have tomorrow. It's the body you have right now. And that, those messages started to kind of come in and percolate. And it was, then it was, it felt like then things got kind of speedy. Yeah. I think the 60 day challenge is like, oh, I'm going to do this for 60 days. And you're thinking physical, physical, but for 60 days, you're hearing just focus on your breath. Absolutely nobody's looking at you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what your pose looks like. Yeah. It doesn't matter if your balance was great yesterday. Yeah. And so you're hearing this over and over and over again yeah. for 60 days. That's going to start to change some yeah. thinking. And the discipline of ticking, tick, tick, tick those, 
day after day building and building. And really, they say you're, you kind of come out of it a different person. And I, I think I did. I, I liked the version of myself that came out of it um, as somebody who felt empowered after a long stagnant period. And that was the beginning, um, I think, to then maybe revisit triathlon in, this was probably like 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, I moved from Santa Cruz back to North San Diego County. I'm in Cardiff, grew up in Carlsbad. And between these two cities, um, I have a lot of just a lot of good memories and a lot of good connections. So it was 2012 when I came back here and I got back into triathlon because I wanted to reconnect with the community. And, and no better way to connect with this community. I mean, th- this is triathlete heaven. We didn't even realize it until we... We stumbled upon it. Yeah, we w- really wanted to get into Encinitas and it just wasn't working. Like we went up to the coast. We went all the way up to San Francisco. We're like, well, there's got to be something that speaks to us. San yeah. Luis Obispo too. We're like, mm-hmm. we've heard great things about this place. But we came back down and for some reason... This tiny little spot here opened its doors to us, and now we're we we love the village. We love being four hundred well, steps from the ocean. You can walk everywhere from yeah. here. Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't even need a car, really. I yeah. mean, from for your day to day lifestyle. Yeah, this is nice. Maybe you'd have to put on your running shoes to get up to the pool. <laughs> so it's just far enough. Well, and the beautiful thing is, so you come back because you want to connect with the triathlon community, and you've already been in the triathlon community, so you know the amazing people that are there. You know you're going to get welcomed in. You know everybody just. Yes, there's there's competition. Yes, there's the ego. It's all in there. It's all in that mix. But at the end of the day, we all just want everybody to succeed. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I'm and I think that is more of a that's it's more of a wiser perspective. I think to have moved to that place, you guys are obvious, obviously wise beyond your years. Um uh, I, I come by it because I've got more years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think the idea if everyone is successful, then you're living in an in an energy of positivity and we raise each other up and we hold each other accountable and we motivate each other and inspire each other. So when everybody is kind of feeling like they're winning, that's, that's a good thing. Um, there's parts of competition that I've never been comfortable with. Um, I probably never will be comfortable with it. It's the idea of, um, my best somehow isn't good enough because it wasn't the fastest on the day. Even when I know I put my best effort in and over time, I've become more comfortable with knowing that my best is the best. And it's been a process. And um, that, again, comes from, I, that gets reinforced in yoga. And I was able to, to carry that into this last Ironman um, just what, a week and a half ago. So um, going back to 2017, you touched on that. I felt like I'd taken quite a few years to get in pretty good shape. I'd had some great results. And you know the nice thing is when your best on the day is the best, gosh, that feels good. That feels so good, and and you just feel like you just you do want to celebrate that. But by no means does that make me feel like I'm better than anybody else. My best on the day just happened to be the fastest time, and that my best came out. What a joy! That is fantastic. Texas, um, Texas Ironman 2017 in April was was just one of those courses that allowed my best to come out. And you won your age group. 
one my age group, yeah, set a time that I look back on and think that that's impressive to me now. It was. I think yeah. I was looking. I was doing a little stocking last night. Um, there was like a forty six. Yeah, that's did pretty you, darn did impressive. Did you know your? Did you know where you were in the race? Because you know how there's a rolling start now, so it's kind of like. Yeah, I start at the front. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. I no mean, question. Right. No, question. no, I mean my time is is valid enough. Uh, you know, just over that one hour marks to to be able to get in the front, and I I sort of like the energy of, you know, I don't get in the very front. Obviously, there are sub-15 minute swimmers. They they let them go, but then I know I'm I'm sort of in the mix. So I know when I come off on the bike, and in Texas, it was pretty obvious there was no one around me. I mean, <laughs> where, where I didn't see another woman for a very long time. Um, she was either up ahead of me or behind, but in the, the midst of the race, yeah. I was sort of on my own. In fact, I glommed onto one other guy up the road and um, just kind of kept siding on him to kind of keep that energy high. Well, I got to sit in the penalty tent for five minutes. I guess I, I guess I glommed on a little too close, <laughs> which was okay. Learning experience. I guess I don't exactly know the legal distance. Right. That's fair enough. I, I got a little close. Um, but coming off that, uh, knowing I'd already sat in the penalty tent for five minutes, it was a three lap run course in Texas. First lap was all about nutrition. I came off the bike hungry, which I don't think is a bad thing if you know you've got good nutrition that you're building on. However, I was hungry and I needed to like use every aid station to just kind of get a base going again. And I know I could maintain it, but I needed it right away. So it took time at each aid station and just got through the first loop. The second loop was like, let's get a rhythm going. Let's see, let's see Mm -hmm. what that training has, you know, has, you know, brought forth here. And then the third is the WTF loop. I have no idea how past 18 miles this is going to translate, but I'm willing to, to find out. And um, even to like mile 20 in the marathon, I, I felt like now I'm confident to start to push. And as soon as I started to push, then of course the, the calves are grabbing, a, a hamstring would grab. It's like, okay, my body said, you may mentally be ready to push, but we have you know something else to say about it. So again, you stop, you stretch, you do things that you know will make your muscles relax and feel better. And coming across the line was, was really joyful just to have put together a pretty solid day. That's why we train. We train really hard so we can get those days. And those days are wonderful. But somehow in Kona, those days are a, a little mystery. There, it just doesn't that, go to plan. That race is, I mean, I have never been, but it just seems like everybody gives that race. It's not even a hard course. I just say it's not a hard course, but as, as terms of elevation and all that. But for some reason, when you get down there, it's the conditions and everything about it just is a challenge becomes becomes notched up a little bit more. Sure, yeah. absolutely. And and I think that's part of the the mystique of mm. the Hawaiian Ironman and having the world championship there. It's part of it is figuring out how do you how will you handle the elements because the elements are there. How are you going to do with them and how are you going to adjust your nutrition and how are you going to l- allow yourself to um, to kind of endure those challenges mm-hmm. it's just another element it's yeah. like a little asterisk that, like okay this is the real deal and obviously um there's a rumor like would they start changing the world championship to to different locations the way they do with the 70.3 world championship and i think they're gonna there'd be too much pushback mm-hmm. i think people want to keep it yeah i think of- there would be a bit of a fight i love what you touched upon when you said that you start at the front of the swim and 
and I, and I felt like what you were going to say, or it, these are my words was like, you like to be in that, like in that greatness, that energy of that. No, you've got the legit times to be up there. You're not a, you know, 145 swimmer starting at the beginning and getting yourself pummeled. But I like that you just own it. Like I can, I can swim around this time. So I'm going to be right up front. Cause I'm going to be in this, this energy of greatness, this energy of, of competition in a way where, you know, these are the fastest people, you know, and, and just being in that, allowing yourself to be in that. I think that for some people, and I think BJ, you've, you've kind of struggled with this too, like not believing that you can be in that, that greatness to be in, you know, no matter what the times are in the pool, it's like, well, I'll just kind of hang back. But what is that about you that have you always just wanted to be kind of, well, I didn't grow up swimming. So I know how to be in a position to take advantage of the greatness that's in the water ahead mm. of me, you know, draft that greatness. But I also don't like to be in a, a negative space of getting hit. And and I think a lot of swimmers are not conscious. They are so, they're so nervous or they're so... Um, it, it, the, the energy of, of their starts, I don't want it even touching me. So I always have an exit. So I'll swim in until it gets a little rough and then I back right out. So I tend to find the edge of the swim course and that's where I'm most comfortable is to have an exit. So I'm willing to be in it unless it's, unless it's really rough. In Kona for the women's wave start, the, one of the roughest swims I've been in. And I'm like, ladies, you are not very ladylike. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I think is if we all just swim we're all going to just get into Move the flow. Together. We're yeah. going to, it's going to be, it's like traffic, you know, they just, it's that jamming up and then well, it's the energy. Over, it's yeah. the energy of life, right? If we just all swim, if we all just yeah. continue to go with the current of life and not fight it and not try and get ahead yeah. of it, right. Or right. not try and, and stay behind it because we're too scared of it. Then we'll get into the slipstream and the momentum will carry us. Yeah, and I was I, I was literally having those thoughts and uh, about come on, girl, come on, ladies. This is this could be easier, but you're choosing it to do it this way. So one of my mantras for the day was nothing is going to rattle me. Oh, I love that. Mm. Nothing is going to rattle me, and you're starting to rattle me. So I think I'm just going to edge out to the side here. And the nice thing is, I was I was having the kind of swim where it just never felt hard. I mean, I trained hard for the swim and being in this big draft, my times of, I could relax. And so I could sort of dip off to the side, swim off to the side, um, maybe let somebody have that spot ahead of me, sort of be aware of everybody else and know that if I'm patient, there's going to be an opening and I have, I could just sprint right through it and catch up to the next group. I was doing that all day long, like just waiting for my opening and mm. threading the needle and getting up and then backing away when it got rough. And it was rough in the beginning. It lasted about 10 minutes and then rough at the end because we're merging with the slower men who now want to sprint to the finish. And then the girls are getting amped because it's the finish line of Kona. So the legs are kicking to get oh, blood in the yeah, legs. And they're smashing and I mean literally pushed under underwater at the end of a swim. That's kind of rare. But it was like, all right, okay. <laughs> it's it's still pretty rough. Again, nothing's gonna rattle. But it's how you respond. Life's gonna push you under. It's gonna feel like you can't get another breath. And it's how you respond. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? And this yes. discipline and commitment to like nothing is gonna rattle me. 
it's all about our response to what happens in, in racing and, uh, and in life. I want to back up a little bit to back to 2017 because the book, uh, Crawl of Fame was already in the works. Yes. Right? Now, had you written the majority of it or... Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. And you we kind of had for the final chapter there. And you kind of had this vision after Ironman Texas, what that final chapter was going to be. It was. It was, you know, 1982, 11, 10, 09. 2017, 11.05, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. But, but it was going to be less. It. it was going to be less than. And what a perfect ending, right? And You're like, I've got it. You said you could see it. Oh, you I saw it in it. print. Yeah. And I, I, I believed it. I believed that it was all about that, that bold type. And the reality was, in 2017, I, I lost quite a bit of weight, um, just as you normally do with the big training. But I was underweight um, to the point where I was. People wouldn't exactly say it to me, but this year it was like, oh my god, you were so skinny last year. You just looked so frail last year. Or, oh, you look so much healthier this year. Oh, you look so much stronger this year. So there's the message. I was, I was light and I was on the edge and I hadn't, hadn't stepped over that edge in those last three weeks of training. I was blowing my training partners away. So I'm getting all this this feedback kind of effortlessly, like Julie, you, you realize how fast you were riding on that last section and Julie in the pool, you, you're doing all this. And I mean, you're, I was getting this feedback and my body was registering it as just, this is, this is where I'm at. I'm strong. I'm fit. I'm ready to go. I got to Kona and the start of the race and I was calm. I was so confident about this time. And this is where I think the ego sort of, I took a few days of rest before the, the race and the ego was, I was thinking it was about being calm and confident, but really I think the ego was sort of right there, sort of saying nothing, I, nothing else will do. So I went into 2017. Sounds like attachment. Oh, so attached. <laughs> and I, so I only had plan A. I didn't have plan B was, is always in an endurance event, you will get to the finish line. I, that's my brand. That was the girl in 1982 who will crawl to get to the finish line. You finish. The heart and soul of Kona is the finish line, getting to the finish line. Jan Ferdino, two-time champion, walking the course in 2017. He's out there walking when I'm pulling into transition after blowing myself up on the bike and quitting. That was a really interesting place to find myself in. The bike ride uh, started out with the, from the first 10 miles. I, my back kind of spasmed and kind of locked up, which that I could deal with that. But the pace I was riding was so outrageous, even with all my training, I was riding so hard and there were the tr traditional headwinds in 2017 that by Javi, I'm already kind of feeling like my legs cramping and feeling kind of weak and really kind of hard to believe that I had this, had, this was happening so early in the bike ride by mile 75, my legs were shot and I was negotiating from mile 80 on. If I can finish this bike ride, maybe I don't have to start the run. I mean, I've never had those kind of conversations out in the lava fields. And once those conversations start, the ego as much as it wanted to do it one way and, and be the champion, boy, switch teams pretty quick. And now the ego is saying, you don't really have 
to, you know, go through all that. So it was this interesting. And I think, I think looking back on it now, when I stopped in 2017, I knew I could walk the marathon. I knew I could be exactly what Jan Ferdino did. I, if I was feeling compelled to have that honor the course in a way that you, you would finish no matter what, I, I knew I'd done that many times. I, I kind of paid my dues on that one. But I also think it was allowing me to figure out what was really important about me investing my time and energy into a race in Kona, Be- knowing that it can go a lot of different ways, and most of them point south. Um, that why would I put myself in this position? Was it really about the time? And it wasn't. And it was. It took me a few days to kind of click over to, this is about a legacy that I've built here for myself. This is about offering other people an opportunity to to understand that when you have really big dreams, you can go for them. And it doesn't matter how it looks on the outside and how it feels on the inside. And it sort of immediately took that effort in Kona that was sort of half-baked and started germinating for this this next year to kind of do it completely differently. And that has been, that switch happened before I even left Kona in 2017. I was already (laughs) reaching out to Ironman New Zealand saying, how would you like to invite me to your race? (laughs) I need to get in a race quick. I need to let this fitness come out and I need to get qualified for Kona again so I can come back here and, and do it differently. And so... That was um, that was how it happened in 2017. It's so perfect, though, you know. And and when you said that the you know the ego was there, saying like going, we are going to do this. We are going to nail it. We're gonna we're gonna beat our time from 1982. This is going to be it. This is the last chapter. It's already written. How perfect this is. It you deserve this. And then things start going south. And then, like, as BJ would say, it's like you opened up the door oh. and you invited it in. Oh, yeah. And sat down on the couch with it. And then it went completely in the opposite direction, right? And Fascinating, it's, right? Yeah, it starts with the bargaining. And so this is going to happen, right, to some degree, I think, to every athlete out there, whether they're doing an Ironman, whether they're doing an Olympic, whether they're doing an, their first marathon, whatever it is. Whether they're trying to figure out how to pay a bill that they don't have money for in the bank account right away, right? So they're going to have this inner dialogue. And I think that's where yoga comes in so huge because when we're practicing yoga and we're in a studio and we've got that voice, the, the instructor reminding us, you know, that we don't have to focus on that commentary. We can focus on the breath. We can, we can create space. And I was teaching this this morning in my class. Like when we can create that space between where our focus is and where that commentary is, that's freedom. There's freedom in there. And then you have a chance to tap into that, that intuitive voice that I think was speaking to you in, in that way of like, just surrender. You don't have to go on the run. It's okay. It it doesn't remove your past. It doesn't, it's not going to define your future. And I agree with you. I think part of that was a very intuitive voice that it it said, this is, this, you, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Kind of what, what was your goal here? And my goal was gone. And the ego was sitting when the, where the ego was coming in was kind of going, yeah, but you know, 
what people are what people, watching. People, you know what the voices are going to be saying. And actually, I kind of felt like there was a point where I had to be strong and be sort of courageous to just say this, I'm heartbroken. That's what it was. It was like my body didn't, didn't go along with the program. I was heartbroken, and I can just be a little heartbroken about this. And but I won't do it this way ever again. You know, so I was like allowed myself to maybe not be beat up by what other people said after the fact. And I try and tell other athletes, when you make a decision on the course, honor it. Don't come back and start to pick it apart from your, you know, from the luxury of your condo as you're sitting there after a shower. Just be, remember what it was like in the moment when that decision felt right and hold on to that. But that is such amazing fertile ground to grow, to take that decision and honor it, but then bring it, bring it out of context and say, but what would you do differently? Right. So what did you learn? What did I learn? I have a a deep relationship with Kona. It's gone on for 36 years Mm -hmm. and I want to sort of honor that, but also it came down to this, this, a lower more internal level, it's a, it was a love letter, sort of a, a loving gesture of respect to this island. And so the one mantra was don't get rattled. The second mantra that just, oh, I could get emotional thinking about it, came out um, on the run when I really had to start using every bit of my experience, every bit of my yogic training to just focus on breath. And the world got a lot smaller and it just became one mile at a time with using every aid station to recover. And the mantra was gratitude. Mm-hmm. Gratitude. So beautiful, right? Gratitude. Gratitude. You know, just with every footstep to be here, to get another chance, to do it in a way that feels like it really is honoring my whole career here. And it's, it was, it was pretty, that was pretty cool. Earlier in the day, don't get rattled and you're never going to do this swim again like this. So let the, let these bitches fight it out. I don't have to do it with them ever again. And then on the bike, it was like, look at this. God, am I in Kona or am I in Africa? You know, the, the slight breeze on the grass and the volcanic rock, the volcano sitting up there, the ocean off to the left, heading out to Javi. I never will be riding my bike to Javi again. And there was a point where I said, Julie, you are almost enjoying this. I mean, I said it out loud. I'm riding along. Julie, you're almost enjoying this. This is just crazy. And turning around, because you know those headwinds are coming. Turning around at Javi, no wind. Coming back. You are never going to be coming back from Javi like this again. You're never going to be turning up from Kauai High. You're never going to be at Waikoloa knowing it's all uphill to the airport for about the next 20 miles. That gratitude was building. It was just building. It was like, and being in the moment, appreciating the fact that I was out there. I mean, I look back on it now, of course I had a good day. I mean, of course the, the training came out because I had set it up so beautifully, you know, that's the last thing, you know, I imagined this race differently. I became very passionate about wanting to do it differently. So mind, heart, spirit, you know, building all year, the physical was the last, it just went along with the program. And that program felt really solid. It sounds like you were, you were connected to, you know, um, 
the deeper part of you, which is beyond the physical. And perhaps in 2017, it was more, you were getting accolades for, you know, whoa, you were crushing the bike. And, and that's really easy to build up that physical and get all that physical evidence. But it's that presence. It's, it's the presence. And when we're in presence, this is the beautiful thing about the ego is that the ego cannot exist in presence because the ego needs past or future. So when we're just in presence, we're in experience. And if we can train our minds to be, let's say, focused on a mantra or focused on our breath, the mind's still going to have commentary. You know, it's like a, it's like a newscaster all the time, but we can create that space. And then that's when the gratitude can really flow. And that's exactly right, Jessica. Because it is that you do have this dialogue going, but you can choose which channel you're going to listen to, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So yeah. I, yeah, I had I had good channels programmed <clears throat> all day, and I was listening to those and getting inspiration from those messages and getting inspiration from being able to just look around um, from nature and also getting inspiration from these other athletes with me who, rather than seeing them as being ahead of me or behind me, it was just we're I'm sharing this with you today. I can't give you, you know, I'm, there is just sort of this energy. It's like perfect when you're in a, in the yoga studio and you know, everyone's around you, but you're so dialed into your, you get that, that space where you're just dialed into your own pose. You, the, the whole room fades away. So that was, the day was like that a lot. There were people there, but then they weren't there. And as crowded as is on the run, especially for the first three and a half miles on Ali'i Drive, they've changed the course a little bit because they had to some construction out on the Queen K Highway. So we don't run as far down Ali'i Drive, which I was really stoked about because that energy of everyone being so excited, it comes right at the point in the race where I really need to just be focusing on my breath. Mm-hmm. So I, I need it quiet and it's not going to be quiet. <laughs> so I understand that, but I'm also very inward. And those first three miles are, they're hot and they're high energy, cowbells ringing, screaming. Mm-hmm. And I have to get a rhythm going with my breath. If the breath gets a rhythm going, the body will follow. And just having to Stop being so excited. Just breathe. I mean, it's just this interesting first three miles of settling into what's going to be mile by mile. And honestly, I did not have a flow going. I, I basically took me a good hour to get into a flow. And once we left town and we're on the Queen K Highway and it's a little more just isolated and the athletes are stringing out and the sun is getting a little lower. I was able to then find that rhythm and, but it still took that positive thinking. You just run aid station to aid station and hitting the aid station. I think I could take a deep breath, ice, ice, you know, drinks, drinks, nutrition, salt, go again get into a rhythm and then repair. So it was sort of when, like when you transition, um, in yoga, you're doing a lot of, um, balance poses and your heart rate's going up and then you let them come down and get on the, the floor for just a moment. That was sort of the, the rhythm of high intensity and then just regroup, high intensity, regroup. And even though it wasn't fast, it was very high intensity to keep the focus going mile per mile per mile. Yeah. And well, that's like the peaks and the valleys, right? <clears throat> of life. And so what yoga teaches us, of course, is 
kind of riding a little bit closer to center. So keeping that focus and sometimes that focus, you're going to have to bring it back, bring it back, bring it back like every nanosecond. And then sometimes when you're in that flow, it's, it's easier, but it's, it's trying to maintain kind of that center line as you ride these peaks and valleys, because the peaks and valleys of life and racing and even in a yoga class, they aren't mm-hmm. going to go away. No, they're not. <laughs> they're not. It's not my experience and that they're going to go we're away. We're drawn to endurance <clears throat> because of the peaks and valleys. Yeah. Because we, I think as athletes, we get good at managing the valleys. You know, we hope for peaks, but the better we manage the valleys, the closer you sit, like you said, you get to midline. And so when you consider yourself a good endurance athlete, I think it's because you have learned how to take care of yourself, how to regroup, refocus, readjust, and get out of those valleys, you know, easier and easier. And I think a lot of, a lot of it happens, all of this happens outside of the race course. So the first time you're doing this shouldn't be on the race course trying to get through the transition, sure. right? And I think that's a lot of athletes get to that point and they're like, I had, a, I had a horrible race because they don't have the tools in their toolbox when the shit hits the fan yeah. at mile 18. They just don't have that. So it's, it's what I'm getting from this and we're such big believers in yoga and triathlon and merging both of them obviously. together, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> But it's that breath work. It's that stuff that you're doing in the studio. It's the stuff you, you're taking with you out of the studio in between your sessions, your workout sessions, and then after your sessions. And you start to realize what's important to me. Like, what is super important to me? Is it to go home and have pizza and beer and like sit on the sofa for the rest of the night or do a little stretching, have a great meal, wake up the next day and hit yoga again? Like things start to elevate of, what, of what's important to you and your vibration raises and raises and raises so that you can use those very tools when stuff goes crazy on the race course. And it's going to continue to go crazy. It's not like you nailed that Kona, right? You not nailed it, but you had a great Kona. You could have another great race or you can have another bad race or a race where you learn something race of opportunity is how we, how we look at it. Absolutely. And I was thinking when you were, when you were talking about the, you know, how yoga plays in, I used to, I'd finish every day with yoga. And so even if I had an eight hour day, that last hour, you know, seven hours, eight hours, the eighth hours were yoga. And I, I love to sometimes seeing how just the fundamental base pose, I was struggling just to stay in that. And that was okay because I know, I know what I had done prior to this. So again, a, a really great way to sort of, the, with the ego, just sort of say, you know, you, you don't have to worry about comparing yourself because you, you have had an awesome day of working out, but you're in here to get your mind settled and to offer some recovery for the body and to just that stability, especially having just turned 60 um, last week. So that's kind of fun to do the balance and the thing, those subtle things of balancing on one foot when you're in the later stages of a marathon and your mm-hmm. foot strike is it's like you need to have those little perceptions of knowing how to place your foot, knowing that you have got this 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 strength that you get from yoga, this coordination and strength, mind-body connection from yoga that you might not get from any of your other sports. Yeah, it's, it's huge. I mean, it's, I think it's irreplaceable. I mean, I just, and I think it's invaluable. And um, there's no way I could do what I've done 
in my life without, you know, how many times that we've ended long days at the yoga studio. And as a teacher, and I go and I practice at the studio, you want to talk about the ego, like coming off a long run, or maybe let's say it's even a rest day, you know, but I'm feeling tired or, and dropping to a knee. Yeah. You know, and taking child, child's pose, pose, right? (laughs) And being, and, and, and I see that ego come in and go, oh boy, you're going in child's and everybody else is doing it. And then I'm like, and then I've got the other, you know, kind of like the, the angel on the shoulder going, but aren't you, aren't you practicing what you teach? Absolutely. You know, I've really noticed that when I have instructors in my class, they, they're probably going to go teach another class or they've just, they, they are the ones who take care of themselves. They will take child's pose. They know how to, again, let just really yeah. honor their bodies for in that moment. And if a teacher's taking child's pose, that should be a message to the rest of the class that it's okay for everyone yeah. to take child's pose from time yeah. to time. I mean, I'm always, I got blocks, I got straps, I got <clears throat> all this stuff with me. And it doesn't mean that I don't have that commentary. You know, if somebody sees me in child's, like it doesn't mean that I don't have that commentary of, oh, well, you know, you didn't work out today. You're just feeling stiff. You yeah. should be doing. It doesn't mean that I don't have that. Yeah. I'm just not acting on all those impulses. And I, and for me, that's what yoga has given, has provided me is this fertile ground. You said that earlier, this fertile ground to not respond to all the impulses in my mind. Yeah. And I think if people come in for one hour a day, think about the, the other, you know, 23 hours in their life, day after day after day to just sort of find that consistency of a message that is going to enrich their life. Little things, positive languaging that, that is, I'm, I'm really tuned into that. And to be around positive languaging is, is sort of like being in a yoga studio. Mm-hmm. There's no room for negative languaging language in a yoga studio. And again, in my life, taking, taking it off the mat. So I try and, and always create, you know, environments, not always, but I'm certainly aware of when, when it, it there is a negative energy entering my space, um, through languaging or being unaware, you know, not holding a door for somebody <laughs> Just being so self-absorbed. And, and I laugh because triathletes are very self-absorbed. I mean, <laughs> by the nature of tra- trying to juggle all those sports and their work and their family, they can be self-absorbed. So I'm, I use yoga as a chance to be aware of, of myself on the mat and myself off the mat and awareness as well as, you know, all the other juicy stuff you get. So I, I love what you said about you know, when you can feel that negative energy coming in. And, and I think um, people will struggle, like, let's say they're a part of a, you know, an Ironman Facebook group, and something's, there's an uncertainty with, you know, maybe a leg of the, of the race that's going to happen, or water temperatures, or whatever. And then it just starts, people start to unravel mentally. And BJ used to, as a coach, he would be in there and kind of, you know, assisting and guiding. And then he just realized like, I got to get out of here. I can't be in this group. What am I doing? You know, this isn't, I need to be focusing on my greatness and surrounding myself with that greatness. So what advice do you have? Because sometimes it's hard. You're, you're, people are working full-time jobs and maybe not everybody in their office is up to their vibe or, you know, in, at a, in a social setting, how do they give themselves permission to move away from that stream of negativity? 
Well, I think becoming aware of it in the first Mm. place, practicing it for yourself and noticing how many times you'll say, maybe I could do this instead of I will. You know, it's just simple. It takes, it, it has to start somewhere. So if you just sort of become, notice your own language. That's just for the, the you know, in that particular it's, case. It's got to start with you. It's got to start it's with gotta. you. And then you start to notice it with others. And to sort of, I think, I like to almost be a mentor for reframing. And when I'm around people, I, I mean, not rather than just, you know, hightail it out of there. It's like, let's try reframing or, you know, offering the opportunity to look at it differently. And then if it's, if someone's very attached to their story of, you know, this isn't going to work, or I'm afraid of this, or I'll never be able to do this, then, then I'm probably am going to find, you know, find my exit. (laughs) But I do think people need to have an opportunity to be, to see it done a different way. I mean, we get so caught up in, in the day to day, we're not aware sometimes of, of some of our thought patterns and how, you know, watch what you think, watch what you say, you know, it's right. And we've all been guilty of it. You even said at the beginning of the podcast, like you got a little comfortable in that muck and that darkness. Like we've all been there. I've been there. I've gotten stuck in there, but it starts with that self-awareness and it's like, what are you focusing on? In any given moment, what are you focusing on? And if there is somebody in your life that just charges you up, is there anything that you can be grateful for oh. about them? Is there anything about them you can love? You know, maybe they've got a great pair of shoes that they wore two <laughs> months ago. Like it can be that little, but starting right. to cultivate gratitude. Well, and empathy. I think mm-hmm. too, when you understand everyone, um, everyone has a story. And, you know, usually it goes right back to childhood. Um, then as you, as you explore your own story, you understand other people have their same stories. They have triggers. They have things that, that you know, normally they're just an amazing person, but they have a certain trigger. Um, and if you can give them the benefit of the doubt, um, empathy, I would say that's it. If you can just sort of say, there's something going on here and it's, all, it's under the surface and it's coming out in a certain way, but I'm sure there's something that they're dealing with. And I can certainly appreciate that I've had to deal with some things. And so it goes beyond just yoga work. I think we all, mm-hmm. um, I'm just going to guess you guys have done some personal work too. Yes. This, this yeah, doesn't, we, yeah. done some serious, we were, uh, serious yeah. work on ourselves. We, we traveled across the country for six months in our little tiny car. So we had a lot of time, a lot, a lot yeah. of time together, which I think we did a lot of self-reflection. A lot of times it was like energy is getting high, high, high. And then we're like, it has nothing to do with yeah. you. It's my own shit. Yeah. And I know and you, owning it. Yeah, right? absolutely. And you guys do a podcast. I'm sure you listen to a lot of podcasts, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Um, Brene Brown, mm-hmm. um, you know, and her work on shame and what, how people will carry shame around things that they're, that they, and the, and the, the, the defensive mechanisms that we have to protect our, like our deepest little secrets that we find that if somebody finds out that out about us, you know, it's our life is going to be ruined. You know, all that I find fascinating. Now, maybe it's the stage of life that I'm in because I don't get to have that. Um, I don't get a lot of uh, those moments of getting to recreate myself. I'm and take a whole new direction. I feel like I'm got this. This next next chapter is about 
well, it's about how am I going to, how am I going to feel good about myself if I'm not on a podium in a triathlon, you know, mm-hmm. all the time. So I'm kind of in that place now where I, I have some limitations, but that's okay. And I'm choosing to not see them as limitations, but just seeing that my life now is about really understanding people and kind of wanting them to have their high moments and, and, and live their passion. And how do you do that? I've done that through athleticism and through racing. And that may, may not be an option for some people. It may not be an option for me for, you know, because of my body for some reason. And I'd like to think that we all have different ways that we can find our passion. And so I'm coming back around to yoga as my fundamental. That's kind of, that's there. Like, you know, swimming, non-weight bearing, that's there. Running for as long as I can do it, great. Cycling, if it were just me and the bike, I would probably love it. But there's a lot of cars out there that are, have unaware drivers. <laughs> and that's, mm-hmm. that's the scariest thing is to kind of feel like in a, in a flash on a bike, mm-hmm. um, you've. Especially around here. I mean, it's everywhere though. It's everywhere. Really, yeah, BJ, it's I think it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Europe, you maybe have a little more, um, you know, <laughs> cultural awareness of, of cycling and embracing it in a different way, but everywhere you sort of, it's a little risky. Yeah. And even then, even though I'm willing to do that, if it's, if the goal feels passionate enough to me, and I do have some 70.3 world champion idea, ship ideas for next year. And, but I think I kind of got off track. What I was saying is I just want people to know that there's this, this inner exploration that will continue to happen. And that is probably your greatest challenges are the ones that you will, are you willing to strip off your layers, go deep within and find that authentic place of yourself, that overused word I know, but that authenticity is when there's no room for the ego, when you're in that Mm -hmm. authentic place of just loving yourself and loving yourself every day and finding that you're a champion of some part of your life every day. Yeah. And it takes time. And you got to chip away at it. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think just identify in your life what you love and do more yeah. of it. So this is, this is kind of interesting. When I look back at the beginning of my career, I did this race, um, the, the 1982 Ironman. It, I, I shouldn't have been in the lead based on my experience of not very much experience and getting to Hawaii and going nuts with my training because I'm finally around people, other triathletes. And back in 1982, you'd be the only triathlete in your town if you were into triathlon. And so to be around all these amazing athletes um, and just training right up into the race day and... <laughs> <laughs> and ending up leading this race and then going on this journey in the final uh, the final mile really of the marathon where I was stripped so raw and what I discovered was this wealth of newness new new feelings of being good at something I'd always taken the kind of the slacker uh cruisy way out, you know, you know, the safe way safe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it was safe to do just enough to get by because if you really put yourself out there and you fail, then that's scary. Right. So I always did just enough to, like you said, safe. Why, why work so hard for an A when you can get a C. I mean, I've just, I, I coasted. And at the end of that race, I was not coasting. I was so deep inside myself trying to figure out a way to hold on to this new feeling of self-worth and value and um 
And it was not just about the ego of winning the race. I mean, sure, that was part of it. When you've got a camera truck on you and you've watched ABC Wide World of Sports your whole life, you know that that's a pretty cool thing. But pretty soon the camera truck went away. And that's how, that's how, the, that's how you just keep getting stripped more and more down to this core level of this feels really good to be good at something and I'm not giving up on myself. And that's, that's what people saw, I think, in the final um, you know, half mile of the race when I'm falling and getting up. I'm not giving up on myself. And I think it translated to someone sitting at home, what would I be willing to do where I wouldn't give up on myself? What would mm-hmm. I be willing to do that I feel so strongly about I would crawl? And that, in, that, that was the high vibration that came out of that Ironman and took that the Ironman race and put it on a whole new trajectory because it wasn't just about being the fittest, you know, guys on, you know, in one day of swimming, biking, running. It was about this ability to find something within yourself that you didn't know existed and it translated. So... And it was all like a big surprise for you because you didn't think you, you oh. were good. What was your intention going into that finish. race? Just finish and graduate from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, <laughs> you know, as a PE major. Now it's kinesiology. So. Where, had you race triathlon? No. Had you, this, no. I mean, first? I did one to kind of just struggle through a half distance in Santa Barbara in 1981. And by February of 1982 was the Ironman. No, I just, I mean, I uh, it was like there was a master plan at work that nobody was aware of. So this was the, like I had all this really good stuff going on and I wasn't going to know the impact of that obviously till it aired, you know, weeks later. And but the girl who wanted to, you know, win the race when you fall and you lose control of everything in your lower GI on national TV. It was this wild thing of getting all this attention and then doing the most humiliating thing possible as a young woman on TV. Let me tell you that, having experienced that at 23, there was very little that was going to happen in my life after that that was going to really, really... You throw me too hard. That was a blessing in disguise, right? To kind of have the the ego just got just got stomped on. Like, really, you you just shit your pants like, on national TV. Are you really gonna <laughs> have a problem with? I'm having a bad hair day. You know, you had like the polarity of life delivered to you, like within moments. Within moments, and I got it too. That's that's the really beautiful. That's thing. That's what. The, and so I I was reading um, some things. One thing I read was like, you said at one point you just surrendered, right? And you just, but it seemed to me that was the moment that you surrendered that you got fuel to finish. It was, it was, that's when the voice, that inner voice just came roaring to life. I believe that was the moment that you surrendered your personal will. Mm. And you aligned with the higher yeah, will. Yeah, because it came right in. It just like shot through yeah, me. Yeah, it was and like I sat bolt upright from laying and feeling like just let the, the just sink into this. I'm just gonna die here. Pavement. I want to just disappear. To no, this is get up and figure it out and like psh, clear the mechanism. So there was like the old stuff was gone and it was just on this. New, it was something else. Yeah, yeah, it was something else. But when you are physically to the, you're so tired, the ego, you, you'll stop listening to the ego. You're just, you just want to not survive, but 
you you get the slate wiped clean. Yeah, it's the the surrendering of the will to a higher, a higher will, a higher will, which is that's where the magic happens. It and, and that magic did happen. I I firmly believe that magic happened, and so coming full circle after 2017, where the the ego and the the pro athlete was running the show. I got to come back and start 2018 and really be informed and mentored and coached by my 23-year-old self. The, the part that was so, it was just so organic and beautiful and hard about that 19, or 1982 finish, that young woman was, was my coach throughout this whole year. I mm-hmm. look back to her and it's like, you had it going on, girl. Like you're saying, that magic happened. And how do I mine some of that for myself? And it was pretty easy. Just just focus on just finish. You know, that was that was kind of the goal. It was there was no plan A or B. It was just one plan, just finish. And so it hit me today because I knew I was coming to talk to you and I was thinking, well, is there any similarities in, in this last race I did in Kona and, and being in, in a daily practice, a yoga practice? And I thought, oh, this is when you bring see somebody and they're, they're using blocks and they're using straps and they're using things to help them get into the pose and not worrying about yeah, that I need help. I mean, I, these, these are here to help facilitate me and I'm not going to worry about how it looks. And that's how I approached the aid stations in the marathon. Those were allowing me to regroup, to remain in the race. And I thought that's why I, I didn't, I didn't vary. I didn't stop and think, oh, well, if I try and hurry through, it's just like I wasn't hurrying through it. I was like, I need every piece of this aid station to get me on the road for the next mile. And so I just made that connection. It was like, oh yeah, I needed my blocks. Mm-hmm. I needed blocks. And I found them at the aid station. I just, I, I couldn't get all the way down on the ground. I could, you know, so I used blocks and all of a sudden the ground came up to me. Mm-hmm. It was like the, those aid stations were like bringing the ground closer to me right. and allowing me to keep running. I mean, we, we hear it when we talk about like the math method and things like that, that you have to go slow to get to faster. Fast. Right. And what I've learned through just living a life in presence, I, I don't want to say, or more in presence, right? Because right. I'm not, sure. I am not <laughs> immune to waking up and being yeah. like, this is going to be a long day. And by whoo, right yeah. back. But my reaction to get back into what is true, which is this moment that we're in, and, and that's it. Just the three of us sharing this moment, four of us, including Clark. <laughs> that's it. That's all we've got. And what I've realized is that when I move in that way, when I'm walking to the yoga studio and I'm feeling my feet in my shoes, when I notice that the commentary is starting to take over, I get more accomplished, quicker, so much more in a day than when I was worrying about how I was going to get it all done and all that and being very important because I was so busy and all this stuff. And I realized that when I slowed down, I actually got faster Hmm. just in my life, that just accomplishing things and having full days from start to finish, but that they don't wipe me out anymore. Right. Right. You're handling, you're handling it with grace. And I'm, Mm. yeah, I had a moment of grace on the course where 
I was, it was, the, it was a funny dialogue because I'd come out of um, probably about mile 18 and my mind was saying, wow, you know, you're almost, you know, you're almost back up to the, the Queen K Highway. Hi, sweetie. And um, yes, Clark's making an Yes, yes. Did you did you have a good Iron Man too? <laughs> we all laid in bed and watched it all day. It was amazing. Oh, I bet. So <laughs> I'm I'm coming. You just got you get your special needs bag, and I had um, so I had got everything out of that, and I was starting to walk. And as I'm turning the corner, it's like time to get running. And this woman, um, and I cannot remember her name, she came up to me and she said, Julie, I just want to say you really helped me in Korea because I was there in um, 2017. My son was racing and I was there in an ambassador role. That's where my son qualified for Kona. So I was darting in and out on the course on this little bike to kind of cheer for my son. And in the meantime, this young woman was um, winning the race. I don't know if I knew that at the time, but she was, I, I saw her and she looked good. And then I saw her again when I popped out on the course and she wasn't looking very good. And it's like, are you eating? You need to eat. Um, uh, yeah, she just, I don't know what she said to me, but it was like, she was, she was in distress. I was like, eat, you need to eat. It's the only thing I know to say. <laughs> but it, we're usually, you gotta usually keep, when you're, when you're gotta not thinking right, you're low in calories. Like you need exactly. some, something like. Yeah. Cause she'd perfect. been looking really good. And then she, yeah. she was not looking good. So just eat. And so at that moment in Kona, this, here she is, she qualified at that race. <gasps> so she's racing and we're, she's, I just want to let you know, you really helped me. You you, you've got me back on track and I was able to win the race. And I said, that, I'm so glad you're sharing that with me. And I said, how are you doing? She goes, Oh, I don't know. She said, I'm, I'm doing a lot of walking. I said, well, let's just walk. I, and of course the watch, it's like, I'm kind of nerdy about on an even number. I'm going to start again. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just wait till, you know, I'll just wait till it gets to the next even number. She goes, no, no, please run. Don't, no, no, no. I can, I can take this almost a minute and walk with you. And it was this moment of just humanness. Like we were just connecting. And I started to run and I got about a half mile up the road. I thought, okay, if that little brief conversation keeps me off the podium, how am I going to handle that? <laughs> <laughs> I went, Dude, you don't have to worry about it now. <laughs> so the, the athletes there, right? Even though I really enjoyed that moment, the athlete jumped in. It was like, uh, We'll deal with that later. And honestly, the whole day, I, I didn't want to hear anything about tracking. I didn't want my effort, this amazing, loving, gratitude-filled day to somehow be marred because somebody's just up ahead or someone's just behind or somebody's way ahead. And I just thought, I, I don't want to hear any of that. And, I, and this is where the confidence in your training you do have to have, you have to carry that confidence in your training to know you've invested all this time and energy into this day. And if it goes kind of the way I think it's going to go, even given the Kona factor that things may not look like the times you're used to, if I've done everything that I think I can do and I allow that race to come out, I kind of think I'm going to be on the podium. I mean, it was just that thing. I don't need to worry about it. I kind of think I'm going to be there, which is why I started right at the front on the swim and why I tried to get through the, the transitions as quickly as I could, because I don't want to give away that time. The young lady that I walked with, I gave myself 50 seconds of human connection and I still felt like, 
it's going to get me on. I'm still okay. I mean, there was that little, that little voice that went, oh, come on. If it gets you off the podium, then, you know, then it was kind of like, then it would have been worth it. To have that connection with her somehow would have been worth it. Because it's still a choice, right? Always we, a choice. We talked about this earlier. Like, it's, if you're making that choice in presence, you stopped to, you chose a moment of connection. And if you can carry the ownership of that choice, no matter what, you know, what it brings to you in the future, you can, you can not, you can avoid living in regret, Absolutely. And here I am. I mean, this is as I'm running away and that first thought came out, I said, but she won the race in Korea. She went really fast. <laughs> I'm ahead of her. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so I'm, I'm having a good race. I mean, you do take cues, you, you know, the, you know, the ticker tape goes mm-hmm. all day long. And that was like, I'm, I'm, I must be doing okay. And I just thought that was a, that was a lovely moment, um, to, to have just had that. And now I'll have to look up her name because I'm going to be probably sharing this again. And then I'll be able to, I'll be able to call her out. Out of all the people. Of all the people. Out of all the people you end up running next to her. You had to stop. Oh my God. You had to stop. The vibrations are matching too. The vibrations Yeah. Yeah, Everything is, you know, it's all alignment. It's all energy. She sort of gave me this gift, right? And I went off running and I'm carrying this idea that, she, she, she felt some, like I really helped her. That was a nice feeling to know that. And to give this little bit of time to that was like, well, it's nice. It probably helped me run better, you know, yeah. for the next eight and miles it probably or whatever. put her in like so much gratitude. Like, oh my gosh, I got to thank the woman who helped me win the race to get me here. Yeah. It's so amazing. So then I'll share with you this moment I have with my son. He's in his first Kona and he'd done so well in Korea. He was third overall. And he, I say he suffered so beautifully on the marathon. It, it was, it went pretty south quickly on the marathon by, by the first 10 miles, it was starting to just really kind of become a real struggle and he just handled it really well. Um, and it turns out Kona was not, not a little different in that it, his nutrition was off and he started suffering at mile three and had to do a lot of walking. So it was a rougher day for him, but I'm about mile 10, 11, and he's at mile 21. And I hear someone call my name because we, we walk on different sides of the aid station to kind of keep us separated. And I hear someone call my name and it's my son. And he's walking. I thought I may have missed him because he should have been up further based on how I'd seen him on the bike. He should have been further down the road. And I thought, oh, I just missed him. Yay. He's having a really good day. Well, then I see him much later mm-hmm. and he's walking and he starts to tur- kind of walk with me. It was like, oh no, no. The mom and me is like, no, no, no. You, <laughs> I'll come to you. So I come, came around the table and walked with him for a minute or two. And it, as an athlete, you know, mother, son, no athlete, athlete, this is not your day looked right at him. This is not your day. No, that's all we had to say. We'll get the details later. He, I acknowledged it wasn't his day. And he said, no, not my day. I'll, but I will be there for you at the finish. I will wait for you at the finish. And I was like, that's all we needed to do. He, we had two sentences. I, he kept going his way. I kept going my way. But as a mom, don't not, do not backtrack. I will come to you. I'm feeling better, obviously, right now. So I'll come to you. And then wait, seeing him at the finish line, I really thought it was going to be this huge emotional release. Like I'd, I'd put that into my visualization, this emotional release. Well, coming down the last steep hill in Polani, um, my calf sleeves had protected my calves all through the bike and all through the run until that last downhill. And then they were grabbing. And my experience in Kona is a lot can happen in that last quarter mile. So protect, protect, protect. 
I got to the, you know, the, the historic places for my 1982 race where I fell. I thought, it will I be feeling like some sort of nod or, you know, no, no, just keep going. <laughs> and as I turned the corner, you know, that you're talking about feeling all sides of your foot on the mat and, and really mm. pressing down. I could feel something in my left foot was like starting to cramp in the arch area so because of probably the my calves cramping and grabbing and my foot was not hitting the pavement exactly the way it had been which was sort of I know if your if your arch cramps and your calf cramps it's really hard to keep <laughs> running and so it was just interesting to have that moment where oh I I need now to just focus on putting my foot exactly flat on my left side. So that was, that was in my mind. And even though I was smiling at people and absorbing it, that, that took a chunk of time to figure that, that out with my body. And then it was just, then I could see the big bright lights of the finish line and I could hear them announcing that my son was there holding the medal to give me. And that joy came out but my body still had to get to the line. So right. it's this interesting combination of wanting to just like, just go nuts and celebrate and be so joyful, but staying in your body because it's, right. you have, it's not done yet. Right. Like yeah. you yeah. visualize, yeah. right. It's yeah. like the last chapter of the book. Like it's going to be perfect. I'm going to come over. I'll it's be the only be one joy. crossing the line. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's like, I got to take yeah. care of this, this foot and yeah. the, and I got to get to the I, finish line. Yeah. And, and one little thing, <laughs> I, I, did not, I really didn't want to walk to the finish. So I thought, so just take the time now, shorten your stride, really roll your foot, feel your foot on the pavement in a normal way. And so main, taking care of myself, even to the last, you know, 250 meters or whatever that was, it was like, okay, now, okay, it's going to hold everything <laughs> holding. Now I can kind of start really looking around. But the strides certainly shorter, and, and there was one guy coming up on me, and I did let him go. I thought I kind of want this this finish yeah, line yeah. to myself, <laughs> and then I could see two more coming. No, no, no I'm not waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one's enough. And my first reaction crossing line was to turn back, and you know, to sort of you know, I don't know if I did the arms in the air, but to turn right back and just acknowledge everyone who'd you know mm. helped get me to the finish line, and and just feel that feel that love. And send it back, and then turn my attention to my son. That was really fabulous. Yeah, I yeah. actually saw that. I, it was uh, the live stream. I think yeah, she had a I, really good picture. Of yeah, that. you just you cross the finish line and you immediately turned around. And how beautiful! Because um, honestly, without you, Julie, without that experience mm. that you had, you know, who knows? Who know? Who knows? Like where so many people would be now because you really mm. allowed all of us to have a knowing that not only is anything possible, but there is something greater that is out there supporting us and helping us get to whatever that finish line is in our life. And I will just add to that, Jess, that I think it's already within you. And I think oh, yeah. it's already mm -hmm. within us. And these amazing goals that we set for each other and, mm -hmm. you know, obviously especially in endurance, it allows it to come out. And, and just, I, I would not have known that had I not had that experience in 1980. 82. And if it was possible for me, it's possible for anyone. It's, I mean, I wasn't an, an elite athlete by any means. I barely got the training in. I landed in Kona with never having done the full distance on the bike or the swim. I, I'd done marathons, a couple of them, too close to Kona, which was, you know, the wrong thing to do. But 
I showed up in Kona, the most unlikely of champions, and came very close to being the Ironman champion. But what I took away from my experience meant more to me than winning the race, to have had that self-discovery. And um, it's been, it's feels like it was just, you know, some ways it feels like it was just yesterday mm -hmm. and getting, just coming back from Kona and allowing myself to have the kind of race where I celebrated that go inward, keep going inward, keep trusting that the training's done this time, the training's done. And that it just, it, you know, be grateful that it gets to come out. Yeah. And, you know, we all have our different stories and our unique journeys about how we can get to that self-discovery. You know, yours was like, in one day, it just, it just came in. And for me, it's been something I've known my whole life, but I had so many layers I had to peel back. But I just want everybody to know, you know, that we all have that opportunity. We all have equal opportunity to discover that, you know, capital S self that mm. resides within us, which is that same, which is that same energy that came in once you surrendered that picked you back yeah. up and got you to the finish line. It is, there is no separation between that. It's, it's deep within us. And, and for me, I mean, I would say that it just starts with taking one breath. Absolutely. That's why I go to yoga. <laughs> I need to be told to take that breath and to celebrate that breath and to focus on that breath and not take it for granted and have it be the focus for the entire hour that I'm on that mat. That's why I go. That's what has sustained me um, from the time from 2012 when I got back into this sport to feel like I'm having peak performances now at 60 years old it's yoga. I mean, there's some, there's some skill sets there that have been honed over three decades, but it is in the present form that I'm in now it's yoga. And so I'm telling your listeners, if you ever thought <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you needed a good reason to try yoga for the first time, um, I, I do it. Julie Moss is telling you to do it. So just go do it. Just go do it. And then, <laughs> and then challenge yourself to make it a, a practice, a practice that you are celebrating, you know, five times a week and it will take you to a whole nother level. It will. I absolutely agree. Um, all right, let's talk about the book. So oh, where can okay. people get your book? Well, Amazon has got a great deal on the book right now. So that's kind of a nice And you're place. doing some local book signings? Yes. Um, the Carlsbad Running Company. Um, I get to jump over there um, and do a book signing there. And I know we're going to be maybe uh, tape delayed. So uh, it's they're going to be book signings probably in the area for the next few months. So I will try and post them on my Facebook page. We also have a Crawl of Fame, the title of my book, Crawl of Fame Facebook page, and we post um, signings there. And really, um, you can go to Amazon or you can come to one of the signings, uh, Barnes & Noble. It's uh, The feedback I'm getting is like, wow, you're so transparent in this book. It's like, well, come on. I pooped on national TV. I can be transparent in all aspects of my life. But no, seriously, I think it was uh, so cathartic to just try and unveil as much of my journey as possible. And, and obviously the challenge was my, my, my 59 year old self really wanted to edit some of that early ego stuff that came in when I was getting a lot of attention and new in the sport. And, um, I, that's why I had a good co-author, uh, Robert Yaling from Carlsbad High School. We both went to Carlsbad High School, Carlsbad guy, 
Robert Yaling, and um, he would say, Julie, you can't, you can't edit. Um, experience on inexperience. You have to just let all your growing pains show and all your mistakes and all those learning opportunities. To So there's a lot in the book. It's uh, We don't just stick with triathlon. We kind of go off on some tangents. Um, I loved the book Born to Run by Chris mm-hmm. McDougall, and he, um, he influenced sort of the way I wanted this book to kind of have different tangents that went on. And of course, I popped into Barnes and Noble and my book is right next to Born to Run. So that was actually, you know, my ego definitely did enjoy that one. <laughs> but I, the transparency is, I mean, it's so key, right? That's what, it, I mean, when you read a book, when you read, you know, a book like yours, you want that transparency. And I think that it allows us to realize like, oh gosh, even Julie Moss has a has had some tough times in her life, right? Yeah, I go into them. And so, you know, under, you know, the layer of 25 extra pounds and um, and just not feeling value, Mm. my own value, um, it it has, I came right, I came out of it slowly but surely. I think um, that was actually... I learned so much in that, in that period of time, I was willing to do the self-exploration to find out why I was in the place I was in and to understand that the humanness of, um, you know, not always being able to be, you know, the, the girl who'll crawl to the finish line, no matter what. And so that was a definitely an important part of the book for me to, to own, and because you can own the good stuff, that's easy. It's the so hard easy. stuff yeah. is harder to own. And it's the hard stuff that connects us on a human level. And without, again, where the empathy comes, mm-hmm. like that's why that's because of my own work. My, my gut reaction is usually empathy mm-hmm. and, um, and just awareness that somebody is going through something or they wouldn't be such an asshole driving on the road. Right. You know, exactly. that's something's going on there. And, mm-hmm. and to think that somebody, I mean, on a bike to think that somebody could be so angry about something in their life that they're going to kind of yell at a poor cyclist or s- drive close to them. You know, there's, there's a point where I, I try and stay with empathy. <laughs> Sometimes it goes directly it's to, yes, it gets <laughs> thoroughly challenged, but the book has been a real opportunity to embrace all aspects of my life. Um, I thoroughly encourage everyone to sort of do their own memoir. I mean, it's really an amazing um, journey to kind of have, I can, in one place, my son can know his mother in a way he may never have. And so, and, and I got to know myself. And was it one of those experiences where once you started writing, like the vault opened, like you're remembering things? Like, Unfortunately, oh that came too late. We were already, <laughs> you know, maxing out on pages. But this is, I remembered something and this is so important. But like and the details, maybe you wouldn't read, like, oh, they were how gone. Am I gonna, how they am were I going to, oh, they were. Sometimes they were gone. And then the process would trigger some things. Internet's great. Like, where were we in New Zealand where we did that really great ride? Oh, Oh, you can find things on the internet. But I think the process starts to, again, peel back the layers and more is waiting for you. And then I would have these dreams, uh, especially when you go through a high-profile marriage and then you go through a high-profile divorce. And... I sort of was reliving my marriage. I was reliving my divorce. And so the dream state was creating, again, a lot of fertile stuff to come out of that. And it was, yeah, it was, it was 
intense. Well, we do a lot of processing when we sleep because the subconscious comes alive. Yeah, right. So I bet through, you were saying cathartic, but I bet it was showing you like some things that maybe still needed to be healed and worked out absolutely, and And processed through. Yes. And the, just, I think that was a big part of the way the finish happened this year in Mm -hmm. Kona. It was, it was this really nice symbolic, um, passing of the torch. Um, uh, Mark Allen, my son's father, six-time Ironman champion, was there to greet him at the finish line. And I've seen video of that, and it was so special. And then my son was there to greet me. But it wasn't just my son. Mark was also there filming Matt's getting to be with me. I mean, it was this really nice embracing of this family that was created from the relationship I have with Ironman. I mean, uh, I, you know, met my husband, had my child and, and now I'm, you know, sort of setting myself up for this independent empty nest next chapter. Obviously I'll be promoting the book, but it's about, um, just how can I give back? I mean, I'm very intrigued with the two of you because you're creating your own life, but you're also giving back so much. And that's, I find that, I, I love the fact that I can inspire people just by racing or by, by speaking with them or reading the book. Or, but I also know that that's a component that's waiting for me. How do I, I really hands-on give back? Coaching is not my thing. Um, I'm not an expert. I mean, there's, there's, I'm, I can coach one person and that's myself. Um, but I can certainly mentor. I can certainly get involved um, with with. Things I don't. I mean, it's still so general. I'm. I'm gonna let it kind of, kind of come about organically. That's exactly. Where I'm gonna put my time and energy. But I. I certainly know. Um, I did a 200 hour yoga training program um, back in 2012, and it's just sort of been sitting there, Ooh. Yeah. just sitting there. Um, and all this young women and getting women. Uh, our numbers can really grow in the sport. So I know that's working with women for try, um, and it's, just, it's coming in. Yeah. It, it's coming in different. And, and if I'm not training for an Ironman, I've got a lot more time <laughs> to vote too. Yeah. And for us, I remember when Yogi Triathlete was in its infancy and frankly, not many people wanted to talk to us because they, you know, they don't want to hear about meditation or mindfulness. And of course that has shifted. Thank goodness that has shifted. Right. And I didn't even have to worry about that because I knew that this greater power was going to show its face. And the great thing about athletes is that we've got the discipline Yes. And that's so amazing. But I remember BJ and I years ago being in our house and every day just being like, how can we serve? Mm. And I would go into my meditation, show me how I can serve. And just nothing was showing up, but I knew that just asking to be shown how we could serve, that something was building and something was coming. And in December of 2015, I sat for meditation. I came out of that meditation knowing that we were going to sell our house, get rid of everything we owned, and we were going to move. And I believed it was California. That's what I saw in that meditation, that it was California. So we were crossing our fingers. But from that day on, we just kept all channels open. And I said to BJ, when he came home from work that night, I said, there's something big between point A and point B, and I don't know what it is. And so we rid ourselves of everything. We were already into kind of this minimalistic. There were so many things that were coming in 
during this time that just made so much sense of like, well, you always wanted to live in a tiny home, but even though you're minimalistic, you still have a lot, there's a huge gap between you going tiny and where you are now. So we were like, we moved into the car and we just toured the country. <laughs> That's great. And our intention was to raise awareness that living a more vibrant life is within reach for everyone. And how can we be in service? And so every day it was like all channels open. That was our mantra, yeah. mm -hmm. all channels open. How can we serve? And it ended up being through this podcast and sharing stories, which was not what we had planned. We had done some events and we had taught some yoga and we had done, you know, something in talks and things like that. But it, we didn't have this list of what we were going to accomplish. Mm. We got into the car with no home and said, show us how we can serve. And then it just continues to come. And we realized that, you know, Yogi Triathlete is beyond just, yes, it's coaching. And, and, and within each of our little divisions, you could say, there's so much service because it's all steeped in love. But then the bigger, we take all these ingredients and the masterpiece is creating a better world. Absolutely. And that came in from just scribbling out some things on a piece of paper one day. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to create a better world. Okay. Well, I, what I don't talk about in the book is my meditation practice because it stalled out. And I let yoga sort of take the place of that. I, my mindfulness came on a daily basis and sometimes twice a day, but it came on a daily basis. But I mean, I've been to India on a major meditation retreat, meditating six hours in a cave, yeah. <laughs> Babaji's cave in oh, India. Mm -hmm. You went to Babaji's cave? Babaji's cave, yeah. I mean, that's wild. I, I, this was a, this very interesting. Um, this is this all making very much sense that you're sitting across from me in my home right now. Well, I, I think I see the alignment. I think it's. <laughs> Here's one of the pieces that's missing is the meditation practice. Yeah. Mm. Uh, just, just thank you for, uh, for reigniting that little flame. Yeah. I mean, I've got the altar set up on my room. It's just the doors are closed. And it's facing the east. The chair is sitting right there. It's like, open the doors, Julie, <laughs> and start. So, yeah, that's one of the pieces. So that's kind of exciting. So the, to be sitting here, it's like... What's the next chapter? Oh. You, yeah, you know, you already have the, you know, the answer. Open but I don't doors. know, if, I don't know when it would have come if I hadn't been sitting here and talking to you, really, because it's been that, 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 that altar's there. <laughs> it, it hasn't gone anywhere since, <laughs> since I had that altar from 2000, I think it was like 2006. You know, that altar is like presence. It's just patiently yeah. waiting for your return. Like your breath. It's always there. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I walked in and I saw your Ganesh on the wall mm -hmm. and it's like, and I keep, I love elephants. Why do I, because you've got Ganesh in your altar and the doors are closed. He <laughs> <laughs> protects your spiritual path. And you, you're just kind of got him shut up. So I'm, thank you both for yeah. kind of just, because I am feeling the vibrancy here. I want that vibrancy. And I want to live my life sort of feeling like it's passionate and it's vibrant. And that's that's the next... <sighs> Nothing's going to raise yeah. that vibe more than Meditation. stillness. Mm -hmm. right? Isn't that funny? Because I've been doing my whole thing is through movement and kind of my connecting to people and moving forward in my life and creating opportunities has come through movement. 
and the stillness. And what is going to happen when you integrate the stillness into that? Because you're still going to be a mover and a shaker. You oh, are. Well, That's yeah. who you are, right? That's who we are. But what happens when... Because we all know it's the contrast. We all know that that creates the integration of our greatness. So what? I can't wait to see what's going to happen when the stillness slides in. You well, open up we'll just doors. have to stay in touch. <laughs> yes. Now, do you guys teach meditation? Yes. Be fun to kind of get jump started. Yes. With some classes. Okay. Yeah. I've done uh, Paramahansa Yogananda's lessons. Yeah. So I started in a chair, and, mm-hmm. you know, sitting in a chair. And, um, but I'm open to, you know, not being held to just one way. Yeah. No, I'm very connected with um, Paramahansa Yogananda. Self-realization fellowship yes. and the lessons. Yeah. Just connected energetically, yeah. like just... When I read that book, Autobiography of a Yogi, I was like, I've got to yeah. go to Encinitas. And then, of course, we got to Encinitas, and I was like, I've been here before. Interesting. I yeah. know. I've yeah. been here before. Oh, my gosh. Yay. Okay. Well, well we're, we're going to have to have you back on. Like, I don't know. And we'll talk about meditation. Okay. And sounds so, good. But no pressure. No, no pressure. You don't feel like opening up those doors. Just know that no, I need to come back in. I, I need right. to come back into this. this come this back at like, 5 yeah. o'clock tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Is that early? I'm open to doing it a different way. <laughs> no, but right. That before you even, you know, you just, you just get right First to your meditation. Morning, yeah. 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 Yeah, and I've had the I've had the luxury of being on meditation retreats where that's the focus of your entire day, and and they be, they became longer and longer meditations, and the ability to sit and be quiet was it was just it was amazing how you will your body will adapt to that, and I love the whole idea that yoga was preparing the body to sit yes. in stillness, right? Yes. It's not a workout. I mean, yeah. it can be. It can be. Yeah, it can be. About the shavasana. Yeah, and so maybe that's just where it's. Maybe that's just where it starts for you. You know, like even in those moments after the class ends, I always have students who are kind of still chilling in the vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the teacher's going to let you do that. Yeah. They're not going to. It's not like you know we're closing. You got to get yeah. out. They're going to let you chill in that vibe. Maybe that's that's a good starting point too yeah. for for anybody, right? Yeah. The other one I love is the exalted shavasana, where you take the two blocks and put them under your legs, mm. and I will just drop so much deeper into shavasana mm-hmm. or sleep, whatever it yeah. happens to be at that sleep point. Ends up <laughs> happening. Oh no my gosh! What. All right, okay, well, we're gonna wrap this up. I feel like we could talk all day, but we'll uh, we'll be seeing you because well, we're in the and, same time. And thank you so much for supporting my book, Crawl of Fame. Yes, yeah, and um, it's it was a labor of love, and uh, I can't wait to read it. Uh, truth be told, we haven't had it yet, but I can't wait to read. It and we'll just well sometimes we, we get books and I think we're gonna do this with yours and read just it. hold it in reverence. We read it to each other at night. So like we'll read a chapter every night and well, we read it to each I other. I won't hold you to that. <laughs> There's some irreverent moments in my book, but yeah, I, this is the fact that you're you're supporting um, what I'm trying to do and I want to support what you're trying to do. And the mindfulness is it's this is this is our connection now. I love it. Pursue it. Oh, it's beautiful, and that's what creates a better world. Well, thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. thank you so much for tuning into this convo with Julie. Be sure to check out the show notes for ways to connect with her and to purchase her new book, Crawl of Fame. Follow the Crawl of Fame Facebook page to be in the know about where you can meet up with Julie in person at an upcoming book signing. With deep gratitude, I want to thank Anita, who recently doubled her pledge on Patreon after taking us up on the Double Up challenge. We're currently at 24% of our goal. So if you're interested in becoming a patron of the show, 
then check out more at patreon.com forward slash yogi triathlete. As a supporter, you will get access to the 98 supporter exclusives, including podcast extras, training insights, recipes, yoga classes, and actually make that 99 because we've got an extra with Julie that's going up this week. You don't want to miss it. We're so blown away by you guys and where you've allowed this podcast to go. Thank you dearly for your support. So why not go after your dreams? Why not put yourself out there to live fearlessly? Why not be transparent and courageous as a way of life? Julie used the word authenticity today in this episode. And sure, we heard a lot these days, but I think it's a very good thing. To me, it serves as evidence that what BJ and I believe to be true is true. People are waking up. They are seeking higher levels of living. And in my experience, once you tap into the high vibe life, there's no turning back. It is too dang powerful to go back and pretend.